Hello and welcome to the Sea of Startups, where we dive into the stories behind the startups in Southeast Asia. I'm your host, Kevin Brocklin, Managing Partner of Indelible Ventures. Now, if you're a founder or funder looking to learn more about what drives the startups in Southeast Asia, this podcast is for you. We're about to sit down with founders to uncover the unique insights into the origins and motivations behind launching their startups. We'll uncover the stories behind the struggles, the ups, the downs, guided from the view of an entrepreneur. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's show. All right. I am very happy today because my guest is Jasmine Lua, the co-founder of Recommend Group. For those of you who don't know, Recommend Group is Southeast Asia's number one home and local services platform operating under the brands Sajasa.com in Indonesia and Recommend.my in Malaysia. Thank you very much for being here, Jasmine. Oh, you're welcome. Hi, Kevin. Uh, so honored to be on this platform. Very cool. Very cool. So one of the questions that I ask every single founder that I ever meet is taking back to the origin story. So tell me, what got you onto the entrepreneurial journey? What got me on? So um, if, if you know my background, I spent um, the first part of my career as a consultant. So I spent some time in Accenture and then um, I, I went to Bain and spent some years there as well. And I guess along the way, you know, I get, you know, learned a lot of things about strategy um, running businesses, business models, and expansion as well. So around maybe like 2014, I suddenly started to think, you know, wouldn't it be interesting if some of these um, skills, so-called skills that I, I have, is put to solving problems that I personally really, really care about. Um, and at, at the time, uh, I was completing an MBA. I also spent some time in East Africa. And what really struck me in the entire experience was that, oh, wow, there's like, a whole world outside of consulting I was not aware about. And spending some time in Africa, I realized that, uh, you know, business and funding investments, they can do a lot in terms of trying to improve the standard of living of, of you know, poor communities. And that was something I was very passionate about. So after my MBA, came back to Bay, Nyojit a couple more years, and then decided that, you know, now was the, now was the time uh, for me to start doing my own thing. So that's how I got into entrepreneurship. And I suppose around the same time, uh, my, my dad and I was doing up the family home. And it was a process that was probably one of the most stressful in life. You know, you know, people say that renovations and constructing your own home, building your own home could be one of the things that you find the most stressful. And it is true. Uh, and it is because, you know, you are spending a huge sum of money, right? A uh, large chunk of your savings. You are dealing with, content, you're dealing with things that you are not aware of. And basically, everybody who is involved in the process is incentivized to make the project as big and complicated and um, taking as much time as uh, they can possibly convince you to do. So that, then I realized that, oh, wow, you know, this, this market, this, this home services uh, industry is so fragmented. It's so, you don't know who's a good one, who is a bad one. Um, who is highly rated, who is likely to run away with your money. And so the seeds of the idea came out, right? You know, what if we built a platform, a trust platform that um, gave people transparency into who was a good one, uh, who was not a good one, um, and who is likely to be trusted? What if the platform even built that trust layer? And, um, you know, 
uh, and allowed people to buy this sort of services online, right? Just like you would a Philips kettle uh, or, 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 you know, similar. And it is at a time as well that I uh, met uh, Alex, who's uh, my co-founder, who's based in Singapore, uh, as well as Anthony, another co-founder who was based in uh, Indonesia. And, you know, we sat down and said, you know, let's, let's hack it out. Let's see whether we can build something that essentially allows people to hire services with a peace of mind, uh, build a platform of trust that allow them to transact and see where we go from there. So that's how uh, that's how we, we set this up. Very cool. Very cool. You got your co-founder split across three the three main countries uh, that you got the trifecta going. So I'm I, I'm I'm curious. There's a there's a word that you said a couple of times that I really want to highlight onto, which is trust. And so when you're looking at the home services market, tell me the the level of importance and trust. I mean, you highlighted it a couple of times, but when you're attacking it from a business standpoint to try and solve that problem, how do you approach it? Got it. So there's a few uh, angles that we think about trust. The first one is establishing enough trust for someone to even um, book you in the first place. So for example, when you first get to know a service professional, either you meet that person online or you know it's recommended by a cousin of a cousin, um, you first need to ensure that that person has a certain level of standing, a certain amount of experience, You know, um, that person knows how to do your job and is unlikely to uh, completely screw it up, right? So that's the first thing. And then the second one, you need to know that the incentives must be in place for that person to do a good job uh, and then not run away with half your money, right? So that's the, the second part of it. And the third one, if something really goes wrong, what incentive does that person have to come back and fix the problem? A lot of times when we are hiring services, it's only a one time. I mean, people don't build uh, you know, a home like three or four times in their life. It's probably the one or two times that they do a home. So if you hire someone and if someone screws up and runs away, um, you know, there's, there's really nothing you can do. It's not like you can, um, you know, hunt him down or it's not like you can ruin his business. He can just start, start up another business, right? Um, and so when we thought about how do you create a platform that first creates transparency around who is a good one in your area, right? So if, for example, you know, you live in Bangsa, who are the service professionals that Bangsarians kind of like? And why, why that is important? Because the average person in Bangsa is very different from the average person in Mongkiara, Petaling Jaya, or all of these areas. And they have their quirks and eccentricities as well. So service professionals who are familiar with homes in Bangsa, condos in Bangsa, layout of condos in Bangsa, layout of pipes behind walls in condos in Bangsa, uh, these matters, right? So, um, so that, that is uh, one aspect of it. You know, who is an expert in your area? Who has been rated well? Who is actively picking up jobs? Uh, and who is likely to complete your job with the you know, maximum amount of quality and the, I guess you could say, minimum or the best value uh, for your money? Okay. Yeah, that's how we think about it. So, so on one hand, um, there is that discovery of who is the best person. And then the platform also provides uh, uh, assurances as well. So if you hire a service professional through our platform, and the person screws up, we, there is a recourse because in a way, a lot of that person's uh, or that service professional's business comes from us. So he would be very much incentivized to fix that problem and get his reviews up again because otherwise he loses all the revenue stream coming from our platform. But if you hire someone outside the platform and then you, know, you get angry with him, what makes you think he will come back? He will just say, oh, you know, forget Kevin. He's just one guy. I'll just go and look for another one, right? Whereas if they are part of recommend, they'll be like, oh, you know, 
um, you know, I, I'm going to lose all these revenue streams, uh, lots of other customers. So they are more incentivized to do that. Um, the platform itself provides protection as well. So we have um, an insurance uh, and we have a warranty as well for every single drop that gets transacted over our platform. So in a way, there is sort of like three levels of protection and trust uh, when you order a service through us rather than the recommendation of a cousin or a cousin. Okay. Okay. And so the 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 last aspect that you said there there was was that you have an insurance on it. So there's there's some sort of policy that's that's included into the price of services as it's transacted on the platform. Yeah. Yes, that's right. So whether you hire a cleaning service, a plumbing service, or a renovation to do up your house from uh, the foundation level, we have uh, we collaborate with Allianz to provide an insurance against theft, uh, damages, and public liability as well. So that forms at least the base level of protection. And then on top of that, uh, we have services that provide a warranty. If anything happens within a specific amount of time after the service is complete, or if your problem reoccurs again, then the team actually helps you resolve it. So that's the other level. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very cool. And so it's Allianz in all of the country, all, all of the markets that you operate. It's the, it's the, it's the same insurance partner that's, that's doing it. And are they also doing the warranty side of it? Or is that something that you guys underwrite yourself? Uh, the warranty side, we underwrite ourselves uh, okay. in a, with our service professionals. Um, and if some reason they cannot solve the problem, then we send somebody back on our own costs. Uh, as for Allianz, yes, it's the same partner in both countries. They are, uh, they have been an amazing partner actually. Okay, so t- take me back because uh, I'm. I-, I always wonder, you know, when you when you look at a company evolve over time, there's a- there's always like a growing pains process that comes from it. So when you when you look back at onboarding service providers onto the platform in the earliest of days, how did you go about kind of that step one, step two of getting people on platform? And then I guess the flip side of it is also on the customer side because you're kind of balancing, you know, supply and demand to an extent. Yeah. Well, the good thing about uh, our business is I think the demand is always there and the problem is known by pretty much anyone who has um, had uh, responsibility to do up or maintain their own homes. So from the customer standpoint, you know, everybody always says, yeah, it's, you know, it's hard to find, you know, XXX service. So from that perspective, we did not have um, issues. What was slightly harder at the beginning is to find good service professionals and convince them to work with us because the good service professionals are probably people who have been in the market for 20, 30 years. They know, you know, they have their own customer base as well. And in a way, they don't have such a need for new customers. Whereas the newer service professionals, they are not so uh, established, not so experienced. And it is them that needs the uh, more work and more development, right? In order to get them to that level. So what we did was this, you know, we got a whole bunch of people on our social media and all that. And we told them, if you send us a recommendation for one good service professional that you have used before and that you will stand by you know, his quality, we will then compile it across the whole of KL, uh, Klang Valley, and provide you a whole list of recommended service professionals for your area. right? And, and that way, we got a few hundred service professionals already to start with. And then we started calling them, you know, explaining what we are about uh, and kind of like onboarding them onto the platform. Mm-hmm. In the early days, where you know Shopee wasn't big, even Grab wasn't super big at the time. Yeah, yeah. It's harder to convince people to come on board. But if you look at it today, we almost have people, we have service professionals signing up in our platform um, on a daily basis without any advertisements or whatever. So 
um, uh, getting good service professionals is a matter of where do they come from, right? Uh, do they come from forums? Do they come from social media? Um, how do we filter them to make sure that only the good quality ones um, get through? And then subsequently, how do we train them either from a customer service perspective or even to some degree, a technical perspective? And then when they first hit the market, uh, we measure the customer feedback and we give them tips and you know tricks of how to build their business. So it's that process um, that we have kind of like built over the years. So tips and tricks to build the business on your platform, is it? Yes, we do. Um, they are you know based on our data and the behaviors that we observe. We know that certain types of uh, behavior you know, sits well with customers. So for example, responding really quickly, um, telling customers, this is my estimated price upfront, um, telling them like, what time will I come and really turning up on time, you know, that sort of thing uh, really sits well with them. So we give them this sort of data so that they can measure themselves as well as their team members and they know what it takes to be successful. Yeah, a bit of quality customer service, it sounds like, goes goes a long way to, to building up a, a book of business, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And um, because it's a person-to-person business as well, um, the definition of service level changes. So, for mm. example, if it was me who requested a service, I would like the guy to come on time. I open the door, you go in, fix the thing, and go out the door without even talking to me because I'm very busy. So that's my definition of customer service. You get the thing done, I don't need to see you, and the payment just gets done, right? For other people, their definition of service would be, good morning, so-and-so, you know, I'm here to do your house. How are you here? How are you today? Um, you know, would you like me to do the bedroom first or the living room first? Uh, and, and, you know, have that banter and that, that connection. Um, yeah, for me, I'll be like, yeah, yeah, just, just, just get it done. Yeah. So, yeah, understanding that about the customer also helps. Okay. What are, what are the top categories for these types of services that get transacted on your platform? And has that evolved as you've grown? Um, our categories on the platform uh, that we are very strong at is split into two categories, sort of like two communities, we call them. The first one is home improvement. So you'll be looking at things like renovations, interior design, carpentry, ceiling, tiling, that sort of thing uh, in home improvement. And then in home maintenance and cleaning, we have things like daily cleaning, sofa mattress cleaning, um, carpet cleaning, uh, electrician, plumbing, air condition servicing, you know, that that sort of things uh, in uh, the, the other category. So these are the two sort of like areas in which we have been strong even right from the start and continue to be probably the strongest platform around. Okay. And what's what's the level of recurrence? So when you look at the customers, so not, uh, not necessarily the service providers, but when you see the customers coming on onto the platform, what's the level of recurrence? Because I think you referenced before, you know, you're not remodeling your house every year, every day. What's the level of recurrence? And does that cause a challenge of constantly having to onboard the demand side? That's a great uh, question, actually. So when it comes to home maintenance, there are some categories where the recurrence is on a weekly basis. So things like cleaning, uh, you know, uh, is on a weekly basis. And then things like aircon servicing is on a three-monthly kind of basis, right? Mm-hmm. So for those, there's a natural recurrence in terms of uh, the type of service. And then when you look at home improvement, actually, I was looking at the data today, and there are people who use us like 14, 15, 16 times uh, and I, I thought they were things like cleaning, but turns out that when you do a, a renovation, 
you don't just look for a renovation contractor. You look for a renovation contractor and then you look for a tiling guy. Then you look for a grill guy. And then after when it's time to move in, you look for a mover and mm-hmm. you know, cleaner. And so um, in both home improvement and home maintenance, there is a fair bit of uh, recurrence as well. Okay, so when the the one big question uh, that I have when and this is this is a this is a generic one that comes across for most platforms because when when there's when there's some sort of level of uh, human interaction in, in the provision of a service or in the in the in the occurrence of a transaction, oftentimes there there's there's a challenge of leakage because if I go face to face with an individual, how do you confront the challenge of that just not becoming a direct relationship as opposed to a platform relationship continuing on? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that's probably the biggest challenge in this business model itself. Um, we used to have a bigger problem with this, uh, you know, when we first started and people didn't really understand the value of dealing with a platform. Uh, but today, I have to say that that uh, problem is a lot less than before, right? We can see our retention actually going up uh, every mm. single day. And the reason is because people realize that these service professionals, they are quite transitionary. Is that the right word? Um, transitory transitionary yeah something like that (laughs) essentially here today gone tomorrow right yeah yeah and you know when you have an industry that is very much powered by foreign labor as well Hmm. you find a good one and the next day is you know back back in his village again so people find that it's hard to hang on to um you know the service professionals they may be good today but um next month when you order him he might send a friend or a worker and he might not be good anymore so in a way there are no good service professionals, I think. There are service professionals who are incentivized to uh, serve a customer well because he is being measured and tracked on a platform, but there's no essentially good service professional and no essentially bad service professionals. So the platform actually plays a role to make sure that he is on his best behavior every time uh, you order, right? So that's the first thing. Um, the, the sort of like consistency of quality and it doesn't matter who comes to your house your job will get done hmm. the second one is transparency of pricing so if you get someone to come to your house i mean you're kind of committed already the guy is already standing there looking at your capacitor you will essentially take any price he says he can say it costs 200 bucks you will pay it if he says it costs 450 bucks you will pay it as well right so what mm-hmm. we do on the platform is to provide um transparency of pricing so in some categories like aircon, uh, cleaning categories, we can tell you, okay, this is going to be, you know, 25 bucks per hour, for example. Mm. And in some other categories where um, you require a few quotations to make sure that you are getting the best value, you get these quotations in a matter of hours rather than waiting for three different guys to come and view your, your, your problem, right? And, and quote you. So on the platform, it is so much faster to be able to get prices and then say, okay, I, I can afford to do this and I'm going to do this. Okay. Right. Okay. And then if things go wrong, uh, you have warranty, you have insurance to, to back you up. And I guess the fourth reason is you get to pay using your e-wallet, right? And and get some more points. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. Great rewards. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am personally uh, points obsessive across all different areas in which I can earn them. Whether I use them is a different story, but accumulating them, I love. 
Yes, um, you know, it's like, you know, sometimes in life, you don't, you don't really know what's going to be a success or failure. But yeah, I got 10 points. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, so on, on, the, on the aspect of the recurring uh, sorts of types of services, are you able to nudge uh, the, the actual u- end, end users, the, the actual consumers in order to say, hey, it's been, it's been 90 days since your last Aircon uh, servicing. Check out our service providers. This is the one that you use last time yes so uh we do do that um uh in all the categories that we we have detected have recurrence Mm. uh, the system automatically sends out push notifications email uh sms's for example to say hey it's been a long time since uh we've met you your aircon is probably blowing warm air again please uh come back and and choose us and if you prefer to use the same service professional you have the system then asks you hey do you prefer this guy or will you you want to swipe left, right? Left, uh, swipe left, you know, and get, get another better one. So um, yeah, the system does that automatically, which is brilliant because, you know, no aircon guy is going to sit down and say, oh, who did I service three months ago? Maybe I should message this person, right? He, I mean, he's busy doing the stuff. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. does it for him, he gets recurrence um, without needing to sit down and, and, and think about it. So I think that works well on both sides. Yeah, certainly, certainly, certainly good on both sides. I mean, I, I can't imagine most, uh, the ser- servicemen, you know, they're, they're mostly transacting on WhatsApp and, and so forth. There's not necessarily a calendar with booking reminders and push notifications and all these things to kind of make their life easier while also making the life easier on the, on the consumer as well. Absolutely. So let me, let me, let me ask you on, on the side of the service providers, when you, when you're looking at them, you know, you talked about your experience when you went to East Africa, you talked about some of these aspects of looking at how you can drive real impact. Can you talk a little bit about how, you know, there's a, there's a lot of conversation around how, you know, platforms for gig work. And I mean, I'm not trying to lump this into the category of gig work per se. Um, but as far as being able to connect service providers and provide tools for them, to operate more efficiently and smoothly. Is there any way for you to actually look at it and say before and after, here's the impact that we've had on these service providers? Absolutely. So um, one story I like to tell very much is in Indonesia, uh, where uh, we have literally, I, I don't know whether you've seen it but or you've experienced it, but basically they are big houses which are divided into 16 or 20 tiny little homes. Mm. Uh, so that you know many people can share it so there was one time you know we were looking through our service professionals and we found a couple of profiles which we thought oh you know these guys must be scamming us or coming from a competitor right why do they all provide aircon service and why do they all like live in the same home right that's so strange um and so we sent someone there and we realized that there are whole homes uh that uh, contains like 16 or 20 men from one village uh near jakarta and they basically come to the city because they can make money from our platform. So one guy comes and he calls his cousin and his bros. And, you know, very soon the entire house is filled with men from one city doing one service. Very odd. Um, but it is a very clear indicator that uh, using a platform like ours, they have found employment where they never had employment before. And, you know, this sounds uh, kind of corny, you know, I mean, uh, but, you know, where else can you get an evidence of you know, providing people real jobs. And, you know, these guys found it worthy to move from their villages to Jakarta so that they can earn money and they can send the money back to their families, right? Send their children to school and, you know, clothe them and all that. So we really like that. So that was one um, example that I always 
talk about. The other example was, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, when the governments all went nuts, right? And they were like, oh, you know, we're dealing with this virus. We have no idea, but let's shut everybody down. And, um, you know, we, we don't know what is essential, what is not, but let's just shut everybody down. And then what happened was that people didn't realize that aircon servicing, electrical, plumbing, all these are fairly essential services, right? Mm-hmm. You know, especially if you're running data centers and your electricity goes out, um, it's fairly, you know, uh, fairly urgent to get it up and running again. So, you know, the police, the, you know, the, the government authorities, they didn't have clear instructions or, or permission for these guys to go around. And so suddenly we had a surge in demand when everybody was overusing their fridges and air conditions and washing machines and they needed service. And these service professionals got stuck at every roadblock you could imagine. And we realized like, wow, there, there is really no champion for the service industry. The taxi or the ride-hailing industry has a champion because they're big enough. Mm-hmm. And then the food delivery guys, they have champions as well. But for service industry, because they are so fragmented, nobody cared about these guys and that they were all basically stuck. So we took it upon ourselves to, you know, call the, the authorities, call the police station, call them at the roadblocks and try to like bail them out from whatever lockups they were, you know, they found themselves in. Uh, so that was the role that we found ourselves in during the pandemic. And uh, that was really, really interesting. So, th- you know, that that's basically on the home maintenance, essential type of services. Because of us, they could run, they continued running and they could sustain life during that that period right it was madness but it was very fulfilling and at the same time there were so many people who lost their jobs for good there were some you know ship uh ship shipping guys you know lost their jobs for Mm -hmm. good teachers who obviously you know did not find many students to teach uh physically anymore um they all switched careers and when they switched careers um to do something that they perhaps were not so established in you know, the platform was the first place they went to in order to start building their reputation. And I've got, you know, this story of this guy who used to be a teacher, uh, lost his job during the pandemic, the start of the lockdowns. And today he is one of the most successful renovation contractors on our platform, the, the one of the highest performing ones as well. So we, we really did help people stay online, you know, uh, stay alive and you know, transform their them, themselves during the pandemic, and that I think is 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 worth something. And have have you when when talking about Indonesia, are you primarily Jakarta, or have you expanded outside of into other cities as well? We cover Jabo, uh, which is Jakarta, and the four or five uh, cities around it, and we also cover most of the tier one cities actually. Um, so like Surabaya, uh, Surabaya, that, Bali, yeah. Bandung, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Medan, all the majors, even as far as like Makassar. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So you're in Sulawesi as well, yeah? Yeah, Sulawesi. And apparently we are very big there because uh, I've been told, I've never been there, but it's a coastal town, so extremely humid and air conditions are everybody's best friend. So I think in this part of the world in general, aircon servicemen are one of the highest in-demand people every three months. I know. It's like, you know, the (laughs) feeling when you enter an air-conditioned room, wow, like, you know, you cannot explain it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, so let, let me transition and start talking about like a going, uh, looking forward basis. Uh, so, what, what are, what's, what's next for the platform? So, like when you look ahead, what, what, how do you define success? What, what, what is, what is your uh, measuring stick by which you would say twelve months from now, or if you want to go longer term and 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 work backwards from like a five year vision, what defines success for you as either as a as a platform or in, as an organization? 
Got it. So what defines success uh, for us and what is our North Star metric is really number of jobs transacted or successful of the platform. So we don't want to be just a platform where people came and discovered the best uh, service professionals. We want to be able to build enough trust, um, you know, guide them through the funnel and, uh, you know, help them make that purchase decision. So that transaction or the fact that the job is successfully closed is very important for us. At the same time, you know, we monetize uh, from that. So the service professionals, they earn when a job is closed, right? So this metric actually guides uh, or aligns the customer incentive, aligns the service professionals' definition of success, and also our shareholders and our stakeholders as well, right? Um, so using that as a metric, number of jobs are transacted, that is our, that's our North Star. And we want to be the platform that transacts the most jobs in Southeast Asia. Um, yeah, so that's basically our... our Across all categories or within your, within your vertical as, as far as the, the most transactions? We are still very much a home and local services platform. So in home maintenance and in home improvement, it is pretty much the same uh, metric. Having said that, um, there is strong uh, drive within our team to uh, add to the number of categories or communities that we have. So, you know, we have plans to launch new categories every couple of months. Okay. And can I ask whether or not further geographical expansion is on the cards for you? Yeah, certainly, but I can't tell you. Otherwise, I'll have to kill you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Southeast Asia is a very interesting space, a very fragmented space. Yeah, yeah. Fragmented uh, con- bunch of countries, right? Yeah. Uh, united by their love for food, uh, pretty much. Uh, but that, that uh, is yeah, a universal. That's the universal, right? So, um, so we definitely intend to move out. I think the concept that we have, right, essentially a home services or a facilities platform that can serve any sort of service, but without necessarily needing to hire people for every single uh, category or every single town or city that we're in, um, that, uh, you know, has a very big role to play in, in, in the coming, in the coming years. Okay. Okay. So when looking at this, this, this definition of success, when, when you need to look at the activities or the specific decision areas that, that you need to act upon. Can you boil things down to say one or two specific areas that you must get absolutely right if you are going to maximize your odds of hitting that goal? Absolutely. Um, I think on the customer side, well, the one thing, the, the one concept or the one rule that underpins all of this is we must create value on the customer and the service professional side. And to a large degree, I think we have, right? But what um, I mentioned earlier about the challenge of this uh, model, which is the retention side, is one we absolutely need to get right. And on the customer side, it's a question of um, what does it take to get the customer to, even when they found the plumber of their dreams, still come back to our platform and order the plumber through our platform? And how does this behavior then incentivize the plumber to tell the customer, hey, you know, um, I, I like you and all, but can you book me through the platform so that I can manage my schedule, manage my time, and maybe get more um, rewards uh, through the platform rather than doing all these things manually and you know have my my business be a mess. Mm. But I think essentially that's the you know that's the flow that we we have to refine. We already have things in place, and like I mentioned, every single year we find that retention has improved. But I think we have got some distance to go. Okay. Okay. 
That's that's awesome. I'm and retail as as we said, retention is always the 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 big challenge because when you have face to face contact, there's a human inevitability. Maybe 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 for the specific types of ones that like the customer service of good morning, the long drawn out conversations, all of that. They're exchanging WhatsApps and 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 whatever. Um, but certainly 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 a challenge. So it's you're you're basically building out some additional services and tools in order to drive the stickiness. Is, am I understanding that? Correct? Yes, so um, essentially the platform, uh, you know, 80% of our time is trying to figure out how technology can be used to align the incentives. So customer coming in coming in, uh, is guided towards making a transaction and uh, service professionals, how to guide the right service professional with the right rating, right location, right expertise to pick up the right jobs and make sure he behaves as well. So technology makes both parties behave, everyone is happy. Very cool. Very cool. So let me, let me transition and wrap up with the standard closing questions that I ask everyone. So the first one is what is the tech tool that you just can't live without? Yeah, you're going to kill me, but I'm going, I'm going to say WhatsApp because, um, you know, I think it's the one thing that has made truly the world closer together. Uh, and it probably does not have as many psychological negative effects as, you know, social media has had in our lives. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, every single listener that is in Southeast Asia is probably nodding yes, because they live on on WhatsApp. Uh, Most of my US friends that are listening, you probably are not as heavy of a user of WhatsApp, unfortunately, for you. Uh, Yeah, unfortunately, I got to convince some of my US friends to download WhatsApp and to be able to keep in contact with me. It's crazy. Uh, Outside of there, rest of the world on board. Uh, But yeah, yeah. What do they use? Carrier pigeons? Or- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly my point. You have my argument down to a T. Uh, cool. So, second question of, of this closing question is, if you were to talk to another startup founder that's just getting started, what is the biggest piece of advice that you would offer? Gosh, I think, you know, the biggest piece of advice I would offer is don't simply take advice. Um, and the reason is because, you know, um, you know, everybody views their own life from the perspective that of their history, what they've gone through, uh, what fears they've had, what successes and failures they've had. And it's very possible that the person you're talking to is coming from a completely different perspective and values different things in life as well. So be very, very careful who um, you take advice from. I, I know of startup founders who took advice from um, VCs when they first started and uh, they probably wish they'd been more discerning about who they listen to. Some of them uh, listen to some of their early customers and, you know, customers are not always right, right? A lot of times, customers don't know what they want and uh, they will lead you in all sorts of funny directions. Um, so, one piece of advice is, yeah, don't simply take uh, advice from people. <laughs> yeah, and- yeah. Or or integrate it with some other frame of thinking. Just don't take the the advice at face value. I, th- I think I've 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 personally seen a number of companies take customer advice that can lead them down the wrong direction because one customer may not be representative of the other thousand that you're trying to target. So if you go down one avenue, uh, you could you could end up spending a lot of time. No, I think I think what you have you're kind of alluding that uh, is that you have to use um, feedback people give you, like anecdotal mm. stories or like my cousin's father said this, you know that kind of thing, to develop your hypothesis around what could be it, and mm. then try to 
collect data and try to collect data that is unbiased as possible, even though yeah. it's very tough. Try to collect data as unbiased as possible from an unbiased pool, if possible, and at the most um, number of points that you can get. Yeah. Um, and try to test whether this hypothesis is true. So for example, you know, there was one time when I was telling my team like, oh, I don't like our landing pages, you know. Our landing pages need to look like this. It needs to have a giant headline, a very Twitter bootstrap 2.0, you know. Um, you know, very Silicon Valley. I, I want to mm. kind of look. And they keep telling me like, you know, Jasmine, customers don't like that. Customers don't like that. I say, how can? It's so nice and simple. <laughs> and if they had any sense like I do, you know, they would like the same thing. Um, but what I've learned over the years is nobody is like me. Uh, and nobody likes things like I do. So whatever it is, when you have a hypothesis or sense of what is right, put it to the test, right? Design from you, design from somebody else, um, and try to be as unbiased as possible when you split or you A-B test it, and then learn things from there. So don't ask your customers, watch your customers and see what they do, right? Um, because very, very often, they actually don't understand why they want certain things and they cannot explain it to you anyway. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's a great point. And when you, when you talk about, uh, you know, very experienced people giving advice as well, you know, things don't always replicate. You can't just cap- copy and paste what worked in one person's situation and then apply it to another situation. So there's there's always this level of caution as well that's needed when you're taking advice from either a VC or a very senior business mentor or whoever it may end up being, despite decades and decades of experience and all of that. Situations are unique I always love the quote, uh, I believe it's Mark Twain, history doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. Uh, so figuring out the rhyme, but not trying to say that it's the same. Yeah, and I guess uh, I was also reading this book, uh, I can't remember what was it, I think Critical Thinking by Ralph Dobelli. And it, mm. uh, it kind of like tells the story of, you know, when something makes sense, we try to go back and explain why it makes sense. Like, oh, um, this company is doing well. Oh, that's because the industry was growing, because this guy was great, because he was amazing at attracting talent and it, because he was very blah, 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 right? So they kind of make sense of it. But if you look at the failed stories, right? Tons of, you look at the graveyard of like dead startups and, you know, the defunct, now defunct companies, yeah. you'll find that they are, they also had a lot of these similar things, right? Like, you know, great leadership that went nowhere and, and all that. So I think sometimes we overestimate um, our ability to influence things using like the three, four tools that we had. Uh, And we don't acknowledge that sometimes a lot of things are probably a little bit responsible for the eventual outcome and you cannot influence them all. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's fantastic advice. On that, let's let's wrap things up. Jasmine, this has been really great conversation. There's a lot of uh, lessons to be learned out of this conversation. For those uh, that are listening, that want to get in contact with you, how can they reach you? Um, carrier pigeons would be. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's for the U.S. people. <laughs> not on the those that are not on WhatsApp, I should say. Uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is great. LinkedIn is great. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you very much, Jasmine. This has been fantastic. You're welcome. Great. I'll catch you soon, Kevin. Take care. All right, that wraps it up for another fantastic episode of The Sea of Startups. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Go on to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It's the best way for us to get discovered and to have these startup stories reach a broader audience. 
If you have any suggestions or would like to get in touch, you can email me at kevin at indelible.vc. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Rockman from Indelible Ventures, and this is the Sea of Startups.